Shall we pray together as we open up our Bibles? And just as I pray, you may want to grab your Bible and turn to Mark chapter 12. We're going to be reading from verses 41 to 44 together. And as ever, if you have questions about the Bible passage or anything that I say today, then please do put your questions in the YouTube chat and we will be discussing your questions and the Bible passage in a little bit um, more depth in, in terms of your questions after um, the services kind of come to an official close and we have coffee together. So Mark chapter 12, verses 41 to 44. Let me pray for us before I read it. Father, we thank you so much for your written word. We pray that through it, we would encounter the living word, Jesus Christ. Change us and transform us today, we pray. Amen. So here we go, Mark chapter 12, verse 41. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few pennies. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put into the treasury more than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all that she had to live on. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God indeed. So we are in a brand new sermon series that Brogan kicked off for us last week as we look for the rest of Lent at the spiritual disciplines. Now, just to recap what Brogan said last week, just for those of you that maybe haven't caught up with it yet, or for those of us that just need a reminder, Brogan said that the spiritual disciplines are practices that help us contemplate the glory of God, that as we place ourselves before God, we might be transformed by him. Now, in contrast to culture, that says that we have to be the source of our own transformation and that we have to work and work and work relentlessly in order to achieve, you know, transformation or self-help or whatever language you want to put to it. The gospel of Jesus Christ says that God does the transformation. It's only really God that can bring true transformation. In fact, Brogan basically said this, society says take hold of your life and transform yourself. Scripture says Lay down your life and be transformed by God. Now, all of this, of course, is true in the spiritual discipline that we're looking at today, which is giving. Now, before one or two of you turn off your TVs or whatever it is that you are watching on today, I think that giving, financial giving, is one of the most joyful things to talk about. And I think that Jesus believes that too. Why? Because giving is at the heart of the gospel. We believe in a God who gave everything for us so that we might be free, free to love, free to have peace and free to give. Now, the Bible mentions money about 800 times times. In fact, Jesus talks about money more than he does almost anything else. Jesus talks about money more than heaven, more than hell. In fact, in one of the gospels, in Luke's gospel, it is Jesus's favorite subject. 
Jim Carrey once said this, I think that everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so that they can see it is not life's answer. Accumulating wealth is not the answer. Jesus said in Luke 12, which we'll be looking at a little later on in this sermon series, Jesus said this, life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Life, does, life doesn't make sense the more and more stuff that you have or the more and more money that you have. In fact, Jesus probably believes, Jesus, I'd argue, does believe that life consists in giving. But before we get into that, why is money, why is giving one of Jesus's favorite subjects? Well, I think that giving is one of Jesus's favorite subjects because when Jesus is talking about money, he's not actually talking about money. Well, he is, but he's talking about so much more than money. When Jesus is talking about money, he's talking about the very state and condition of our hearts. Jesus would say elsewhere in the Gospels, in fact, Matthew chapter 6, for where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. In other words, if you want to know what you're really worshipping, have a look at your bank account. In fact, if you, if you use Monzo as your bank, just go on the monthly report that it gives you on where you've spent your money this month. It can be quite revealing and quite challenging. If you want to know what you're worshipping, look at where you're spending your money. Now, if you've tuned in today, perhaps for the first time, or you've been coming to church just for a little while and you're upset that you've just tuned in and the church is talking about money. Um, well, we are talking about money because Jesus is talking about money in the Bible passage today. But remember, when Jesus is talking about money, he's really talking about our hearts. He's talking about my heart and your heart. That is what Jesus is really interested in. Now, generosity was actually one of the defining features of the early church. Julian, who was a Roman emperor, he tried really, really hard to try and shut down the church after it had been, after the church had really taken hold in the Roman Empire. He tried to repaganize the, repaganize the Roman Empire after the gospel of Jesus Christ had spread. And he found it so difficult to shut the church down. And he wrote about why he found it so difficult and why he was so frustrated that he couldn't shut the church of Jesus Christ down. And he basically wrote that he couldn't shut the church of Jesus Christ down, that he couldn't shut the gospel down because of the generosity of Christians. In fact, Julian famously wrote this as he complained in a letter, these impious Galileans, in other words, these impious Christians, they feed not only their own poor, but ours as well. Now, Jesus' Jesus's teaching on giving and money wasn't just supposed to change and transform the early church. It's supposed to change and transform us too. We are called to reflect the giving generosity of God. God gave everything for us. Jesus gave his whole life. So what can we do in return? Well, we can give all of ourselves back to God. Now, this includes our money. It includes our possessions. It includes our homes. It includes absolutely everything. All of the resources that we have at our disposal. But this is why when Jesus talks about money, he's talking about so much more than money because giving is at the very heart of who God is. 
Now, I think the other thing that we should really um, remember before we get stuck into these verses this afternoon is what Matthew Porter said to us last week. We started off again thinking about the spiritual disciplines last week, didn't he? And Matthew reminded us that Jesus didn't say when he was teaching spiritual disciplines to his disciples, if you give or if you fast or if you pray. No, Jesus said when you give, when you fast, when you pray, Jesus expects his disciples to give. So the question for us today as we work through these verses in Mark chapter 12 is this. How can God transform my heart? How can God transform your heart through the spiritual discipline of giving? And how can all of us, whatever stage of life we're at, whether we're a child watching this, whether we're two years old or whether we've been following Jesus for decades, how can we be transformed as we engage in this spiritual discipline of giving? So as we go through these verses together today, you might want to be thinking or asking yourself, Where do I need to be more generous? What am I holding back for myself? So let's get stuck in. So Mark chapter 12, verses 41 to 44. So here we have a very well-known story of the widow and her coins. But first, a little bit of context. So in Mark chapter 12, Jesus has been teaching in the temple. And in the verses leading up to this, Jesus has just launched what looks like a very stinging attack on the religious leaders of the day who just do things for show. You know, they they might pray out loud and use very long words and use a very loud tone of voice in order to draw attention to the fact that they're praying. Or they might even give in very demonstrable, um, noticeable ways just so that others think well of them. Now, Jesus doesn't like this. And to hammer home this point, Jesus is going to use the example of a poor widow to give his disciples a sermon illustration, if you like, on the thing that he's just been saying about the religious leaders. This widow is going to become a sermon illustration to the disciples and all of us on how we can be generous. So look at verse 41. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts. Now you can imagine, can't you, all of the people in the temple watching the people bring their offerings into the temple that day. And maybe many people were impressed with these wealthy people that were giving so much to the temple and were giving so much to the work of God. I mean, it's impressive, isn't it, giving away so much money? But was Jesus impressed by this show of generosity from these wealthy people in Mark 12? Were the disciples impressed with with, with the wealthy people's offerings in Mark chapter 12? Well, if the disciples were impressed, they probably hadn't been listening to what Jesus had been teaching on money and generosity in the rest of his ministry. So if you've got a Bible on you, you might want to flick back to Matthew chapter 6, just for a brief, um, just for a moment or two. Matthew chapter six and read verses one and two with me. And this will help us make sense of Mark 12. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites in the synagogues and on the streets do just to be honoured by others. Truly, I tell you, 
they have received their reward in full. Now, have you ever thought it a bit of an odd, an odd expression, do not announce your giving with trumpets? Well, a little bit of context just to help make sense of, this, of, of, this, of these verses in Matthew chapter 6, which in turn help us make sense of Matthew chapter 12. So the giving boxes in the temple, the very temple where Jesus is watching people give their money in Mark chapter 12, the giving boxes in, in, in the temple were actually in the shape of a trumpet. In fact, the giving boxes were even called the trumpets. That was their name. And they were made of metal and they were shaped like ram's horns, which were, which were also used as trumpets. And the idea was when you went to the temple and you put your coins in the offering box, they would make a very large clanging noise. And when people were in the temple or in the synagogue, some people would sit there and listen to how much money was being put into the offering box, into these trumpets. And the more you put in, the more, you know, the more esteemed you were, the more that you were giving to the work of God, the more holy that you must have been. Now, to illustrate this point, I've got this very fine collection plate um, that I've brought with me today. Lee's going to hold it. And I've got some coins here. Now, if you were being a hypocrite, as in the hypocrites that Jesus is talking about in Mark chapter 6, in order to make a big song and dance about the fact that you were so generous and about the fact that you were so wealthy, you might bring all of your coins and instead of just placing them quietly into the, into the, into the, um, into the trumpets, into the giving boxes, what you might do if you really wanted to look impressive is you'd take some small coins and you'd stand there and you'd... You'd really, you know, make a... You'd really make a song and dance about the fact that you were, you were giving lots of money. And so you'd put them in one by one and you'd stand there for ages, making sure that everybody knew that you were being really, really generous. Thanks, Lee, you can keep that. That is what was going on. These wealthy people in Mark chapter 12 would have been stood there renouncing their giving by throwing these coins into these giving boxes called the trumpets and make it look like they were really, really holy. Now, Jesus is saying, don't do that. Don't sit there and throw in your coins as loud as possible, as hard as possible, so that everybody hears how much you are giving. If you do that, you're just a hypocrite. You're just giving in order to impress the people around you. Now, this widow, when she comes and puts her two coins in, they wouldn't have made a large noise at all. And yet Jesus says that she gives more than all of the others. In fact, more than all of the others put together. Now, what really matters in giving is the motivation. Jesus is more interested in the motivation behind your giving than the actual giving itself. In fact, Leonard Ravenhill once said this, Jesus is not just interested in what you gave, but why you gave it. So back to Mark's gospel in verse 41. How can we give and not be a hypocrite? We'll look at verse 42. A poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few pennies. Now in verse 42, we meet a poor widow, a woman with little or no legal status in Jesus' day. She had no husband to earn her money. 
She had nobody to look after her. She had no husband to speak for her. She probably had no home of her own or no land of her own. It Very possibly, if she did have any, would have been taken away from her when her husband died. And after all of the rich people have come forward and, and, and have announced their giving with coins, clanging them into the trumpets, she comes forward and just puts two little coins into the giving box in the temple. And they're not even worth, it says in English translations, they're you know, worth pennies. They're not even worth pennies in our currency here in the UK today. In fact, in the Greek, the coins that she puts in are called leptons, two leptons. And a lepton is worth one fortieth of a penny in current UK currency. In other words, this widow is very, very poor. She couldn't have even bought one penny from the corner shop, you know, one penny sweet from the, from the corner shop. Now, the rest of the people looking at what's going on in the temple might have looked at her and thought, oh my gosh, this widow is so tight. Her offering certainly didn't make much clanging in the trumpets. Certainly compared to all the other offerings that have come in today, this is just absolutely pitiful. But notice what Jesus says to his disciples about this widow in verse 43. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said this, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put into the treasury more than all of the others. Jesus is basically saying to his disciples, okay, team, listen up. I'm telling you, this woman has given more than all of the others. But how can this be? How can this, how can this widow have given more than all of the others when she's put in two fortieths of a penny? How has she put in more than all of the wealthy people? Well, look at what Jesus says in verse 44. They gave out of their wealth. But she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all that she had to live on. She gave more because she gave everything. It really cost this widow to give. I can remember when I, was first, when I first started to give regularly to, to my local church in Sheffield, I can remember my old vicar, Mick Woodhead, I'm saying this in a sermon once, and it's stuck with me so much ever since. He said this, it's only generous. It's, you're only really being financially generous if you feel it. You're only really being generous if it actually costs you. Now, that has really stuck with me ever since I first heard that about 13, 14 years ago. And look, this is the reason why when Jesus is talking about money, he's actually talking about so much more than just money. As I've said, he's talking about the very state and condition of our hearts. This widow, although she hardly gives anything in terms of monetary terms, she is so much more generous because she gives everything. She has a generous heart. Now, the real reason that this widow displays real generosity is this. She has the same attitude of she has the same attitude that Jesus himself has. Jesus gave up everything. He came down from heaven, left the throne room of heaven, took on the form of a human being in the incarnation, and died a criminal's death on a cross. Jesus gave his whole life so that you and I could be free. 
Jesus gave everything for me. Jesus gave everything for you. The question is, what will we give in return? Now this widow and Jesus' response to her giving that, we've, that we read about here in Mark 12 is so deeply challenging. Real giving must be sacrificial. I once read in a commentary on this Bible passage this. Real giving must be sacrificial. The amount of the gift never matters so much as its cost to the giver. Not the size of the gift, but the sacrifice. Real generosity gives until it hurts. For many of us, it is a real question if ever our giving to God's work is any sacrifice at all. Few people will do without their pleasures to give a little more to the work of God. And then the commentary went on to say this. It may well be a sign of the decadence of the church and of the failure of our Christianity that gifts have to be coaxed out of church people and that often they will not give at all unless they get something back in the way of entertainment or of goods. There can be few of us who read this story without shame. God measures giving not by what we give, but by what we keep back for ourselves. Now, I've got to be honest with you. When I first read that, when I was reading this commentary on Mark chapter 12, I thought, ouch. God measures giving not by what we give, but by what we keep back for ourselves. Let me say that one more time. God measures giving not by what we give, but what we keep back for ourselves. Now the question as I read this story that I ask myself is, oh my gosh, on what way is my giving really on that level? All of the time, in what way am I anything like this widow at all? Am I anything like her? And we begin to see, don't we, why Jesus is, when Jesus talks about money, he's talking about so much more than money because it gets right to the heart of who we are. Now, I'd actually argue that our understanding of giving gets right to the heart of our understanding of the gospel. C.S. Lewis put it like this, the only things we can keep are the things that we freely give to God. What we try to keep for ourselves is just what we are sure to lose. Now, this isn't just about money. I can see some questions coming in on the live stream about, well, is, is this just about money? Or is it about more than money? Well, it's, it's about more than money. I mean, money is really, really important, but it's about so much more than that. This is about what we do with our homes. It's about what we do with our gifts. It's about what we do with our time. It's about what we do with the stuff that God has given us, the possessions that we own. It's about what we do with our cars if we've got one. It's about what we do with absolutely everything. But it is also about what we do with our money. And I'd argue that if we've got money to spend, we've got money to give. If we've got money to spend, we've got money to give away. If we've got money to spend, we've got money to be generous with. 
But I do passionately believe this. The remedy for my generosity or my giving, my financial giving to be transformed is not for somebody to, to, to you know, tell me to give and give and give more. That is not the remedy for this. The way that I will give more, the way that all of us will be more generous is by simply one thing. It's by remembering the gospel. That Jesus gave everything for us. So how could we, like this widow, not give everything in return? Our whole lives. Now, I find that giving financially is one of the most joyful and freeing of, well, it's one of the most joyful and freeing things to do. It's one of the most joyful and freeing spiritual disciplines. When we remember all that Jesus did and we let his grace, his life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, his whole ministry define us, then money will just become money. A job, the jobs that we've got will become just jobs. They won't define us. Our relationships, although they're important, won't be the thing that defines us. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so money will just become money. We won't let it define us and we'll want to be generous with it. And we'll remember because of what Jesus has done for us that being generous always requires sacrifice. There's a hymn that the church has been singing um, it's very popular, very popular hymn. Um, we've been singing it for, a, I think, a few hundred years now. And um, the verse of it, um, it's called When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. And the last verse of that hymn, um, well, the, the first few verses of the hymn speak of the amazing sacrifice of Jesus. The last verse of that hymn goes like this. Were the whole realm of nature mine, even that would be an offering far too small. Love so amazing, so divine demands my soul, my life, my all. In other words, if we were to gather up everything in all of the cosmos, all of the universes, all, all of the universes, I think there's only one universe, although I might be wrong, all of the galaxies, all of the stars, all of the planets, all of the moons, if we were to gather everything in all of the universe and lay it at the feet of Jesus, where everything in the whole of in the whole realm of nature mine, we were to gather it all, lay it at the feet of Jesus, even that would not be enough. Even that wouldn't be enough. So what can we give? Well, love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. In other words, what can we give back to the one who gave everything for us? We give back everything. The truth of the gospel though is this, in giving all of us, we remember that we have already got all of Jesus. Now we are um, in this sermon series on spiritual disciplines at the minute. And if you go to stthomas.church forward slash disciplines, you'll see that there's a practice that goes along with each spiritual discipline each week. And this week's practice is very simple. It's just to look at where we're spending our money, maybe to make a budget, to look at where most of our money is going and to work out where can we be more generous? Where can we be financially more generous with our money? But as you engage in that practice, you may also want to think about how can I be, how can I be more generous with my home 
at the minute, that's obviously pretty difficult because of COVID. But as I've said, this is about money. It's also, but it's about so much more than money. You may want to think about how you can be, how you can be more generous with the gifts that God has given you, with the stuff that God has given you. How can we be more generous? Now I'll um, come into land just with a story that Leonard Ravenhill once told about somebody that had just given his life to Jesus. Actually, it was a friend of a friend of Leonard Ravenhill's. Leonard Ravenhill was this fantastic um, preacher from Yorkshire, but spent most of his time preaching in the States. And he tells this story about a friend of his um, tell, came up to him to tell him that um, somebody had just given their life to Jesus and um, had just been baptized. And it was a very sudden, you know, very sudden thing. This person just given their life to Jesus, got baptized there and then. And he went on to write this. He went down into the water and suddenly realized that he had his wallet in his pocket. And his friend remarked, there's not many wallets that get baptized these days. Leonard went on to write, we kind of say, Lord, you look after our sins and I'll look after the rest. But every penny you earn since you have given your life to Jesus, every penny you earn is the property of Jesus Christ. And you'll give an account for all of it before God. He doesn't just take your sins. He takes your whole self. He takes over the government of your whole life. It's challenging stuff, isn't it? The New Testament speaks about the glory of Jesus. And Jesus got glory by emptying himself. Why do we think that it would be any different for us? Paul would write in 2 Corinthians 8, Jesus became poor so that we might become rich. Now, as Brogan said last week, every other worldview, in fact, every other religion says, come become rich by doing lots of things. Store up for yourself lots of good works. In other words, you come to God and say, I am full. Look at everything I have done. Please accept me, God. Please let me into heaven. Have I given enough? Have I done enough? But the gospel of Jesus Christ works in the exact opposite way to that. We come to God and say, I am empty. I cannot do this by myself. I don't deserve your grace. I can't earn it, but I know that I need it. We become rich by accepting that Jesus Christ became poor for us. We become holy and righteous even though we don't deserve it. And in doing so, we become rich spiritually. And when we respond to the gospel in that way, we realize that the world has no hold of us. We're not defined by our bank balances. We're not defined by our failures or our success. We are free. And only Jesus can bring that freedom. Now imagine a world in which the church of Jesus Christ operated on this level of generosity. 
Imagine a world in which the church of Jesus Christ behaved like the widow in this story in Mark chapter 12 today. What a transforming effect the church would have on the world. And so just as we begin to respond to this amazing story in Mark chapter 12, let's just ask the Holy Spirit to come. Come, Holy Spirit. Father, help us to have the same attitude as that of Jesus Christ himself, who gave up everything for us. Help us be inspired by this widow who gave everything that she had to live on. Lord, we want to have generous hearts, but we know that we hold so much back for ourselves. Come, Holy Spirit, and begin to redeem and transform us. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. God, help us see that you don't measure giving by how much that we give. It's not about the amount. It's about how much we recognize the effect of the gospel in our lives. We're going to sing a song just to help us respond about giving our whole lives in response to what Jesus has done for us. And just as Will leads us in this song, I invite you to ask these questions. What am I holding on for myself? What am I holding back for myself? In what way am I like this widow? In what way am I not like this widow? In what way have I been giving to impress other people, maybe to impress God? And let's ask for the truth of the gospel to change and transform us.